Hey everyone, the show is entirely financed and made possible by patrons who are listeners like you who choose to go to patreon.com slash Club to help out with the show financially. If you enjoy the show, if you think it brings something to your life, if it brings entertainment or a little bit of uh, perspective, please do consider going to patreon.com slash Club and uh, seeing if the supporting is for you. And the link is also in the show notes, by the way, if you don't know how to spell that out. Thank you so much to those who already do support the show and on with the actual episode. Hey, everyone, this is the Phileas Club, episode number 137. We are in November 2019 and we're going to be talking about the UAE space program, the impeachment proceedings and strikes in France. What else? And demonstrations, of course. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phileas Club, a show where we get people from different places in the world, different cultures, different backgrounds, and talk about the news to give you different opinions and views on what's happening around our lovely blue planet. My name is Patrick Beja. I am in Finland. I'm originally from France. It is currently 3 p.m. for me, and I'm very happy to be joined by someone we haven't seen in, I, I don't know, two years, Mahmoud? Is it? That yeah. long? Something like that. Oh, I'm thinking more like three years. Three years. Wow. Well, thank you for coming back to the show. You're in Dubai currently. Um, yeah. It's 3, 4 p.m. for you? It's 5 p.m. 5 p.m. So we're roughly, yeah. you know, that's roughly equivalent. Um, yeah. Thanks for, for being on. And we also have another co-host who has been up since, I guess, before 5 a.m., because it's 5 now for him in Las Vegas, which means, uh, obviously, he was up partying all night and just came from, the sh from like, a casino um, straight to the show. Gunner, how's it going? Yeah, very, very well. Uh, it's been many moons since one of those things. I am getting up from an evening of sleep, but uh, we did go out for a lovely dinner past our normal bedtime last night, so... <laughs> We're trying, we're trying. So you're in that phase of your life, which yes. I, I know yes, very well. <laughs> um, so I, we're going to have a bunch of interesting discussions. Uh, some of them might involve how uh, certain impeachment proceedings are going, <laughs> which I suspect uh, are actually less eventful than some people would hope for. But that's how impeachments go. But um We'll, we'll discuss yeah. that in a little bit. We'll also discuss uh, strikes and demonstrations in France and even in Finland. Uh, so as I joked before we started recording, what else is new? Um, but uh, in Europe. But let's start with the one that has the most uh, jittery connection. So let's take advantage <laughs> of the stability while we have it. Uh, Mahmoud, what's happening in the Middle East and in Dubai? Tell us everything. Uh Okay, well, since you said Dubai, uh, I'll, I'll go with the Dubai story. Uh, uh, we discussed earlier before I came on the show that I'm not going to do anything uh, up, you know, political or upsetting because all news is upsetting. So I'm <laughs> sticking to some light news. <laughs> you know, I, I had enough of that. 
those who listen to the to me on the show know exactly what I'm talking about. It's always some horrible terrorist attack when I'm on. <laughs> so hopefully nothing happens today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the uh, the main story for me here in Dubai is uh, uh, the United Arab uh, Space Program. Uh, it's the first Arab country to have a legitimate space program and actually have an astronaut on um, on the international space station about a month ago he came back and now they're going to prepare to launch uh, a probe to mars in uh, july 2020 which is something unprecedented here in the arab world uh, that's amazing that, yeah yeah i, it makes I had no idea yeah that's very oh, really? cool yeah, yeah, no, I, I hadn't yeah. heard about this. To, yeah. to be fair, I don't keep up with the news very closely. Uh, but yeah. so the, uh, the, that space program is uh, UAE-specific or is it more broad across the Arab world? No, it's, it's UAE-specific. It's, it's very UAE. Uh, okay. They tend to make a point about that. <laughs> it's only that. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, they, they like to, to be, and rightfully so, uh, called number one in everything. So they try to be, uh, you know, uh, achieving uh, whatever they do alone and uh, making a big fuss about it. Uh, uh, that's why I was surprised you didn't hear about it, because the amount of media and publicity around this stuff is staggering here in, uh, in the region. I'm sure it was mentioned that's interesting. here. interesting. I haven't heard but... anything here either. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. See, it's not just me. I feel a bit less uh, dumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for well, being actually, dumb with when, me, when, Gunnar. Yeah, when I was preparing for the show, I got I got some the news from uh, the Washington Post. So, you know, okay. <laughs> it, it, it gets around the news, you know. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a very, 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 uh, how can I say, uh, good thing uh, amidst all uh, the turmoil and unrest and wars and and all of that, uh, somebody, uh, you know, aspiring to to, to to space and actually achieving it. Uh, you know, I, it makes me kind of proud living here in this country. Yeah. So I can't remember if yeah. I mentioned uh, in the intro, but you're originally from uh, Jordan and you're, yes. you've been living for a very long time in uh, in the UAE, in Dubai. I know, not a very long time, around, you know, six, seven years now. Right. Wow. Well, Okay. Uh, ever since I've always known you to be in the UAE, for, so yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. it's been forever <laughs> essentially. Um, well, I think the first time we actually talked, I, I think it was 2013, 14, something like that. So, oh, wow. so maybe, yeah, not that uh, long. Um, so the space program, I, I is it seen. That's the the issue you're mentioning. How inspiring it is, and I think that's always the value in that those kinds of programs. Certainly, it has been in the past, and I've been watching on Apple TV Plus for all mankind, and I've been watching on Netflix the uh, the, the there's a Mars docu drama um, trying to show how it could happen, the Mars colonization, um, and and what is very clear uh, from both those shows is this is not necessarily, it it is about exploration, but it could be seen as a waste because it costs a lot and you don't really get anything directly immediately. Of course, research trickles down to the uh, practical uses down the line. But I I guess the question I'm asking is, um, is the public in the UAE seeing this as a necessary thing or the pride is so big that uh they're rooting for it or are some people saying we should be spending money on other stuff 
No, 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 no. Absolutely. They, 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 they're very, you know, what's the word, ecstatic about it. They can't believe it. Mm. It's one of, uh, you know, the most things they're proud uh, of. And uh, the, the government here makes it a point. This is not about, you know, going to space. This is about building a nation through the space program, uh, mm. training scientists and technicians and getting, you know, young students interested in science. It's never been about actually putting like a satellite or shooting, you know, firing a rocket up there or anything like that. It's about what goes the capacity building about it, uh, around it, uh, mobilizing the whole country, engaging all of the school uh, students and children in the country. Uh, you know, when they because when they grow up, they're the one who's gonna lead, uh, yeah. and they make this point very uh, very clear. Uh, it's not about wasting money it's about not about uh, being the first although they will say it when, when they do it being the first but what they emphasize is this is about building a nation not building a rocket or sending a man to space yeah it's really funny because we have such a specific image about the arab world and a, a, a certain view. I think we were discussing this when we did the episode about uh, China in Africa, and we touched on the views that the quote-unquote colonizers have of those places, <laughs> even when they mean well and even when they want to help. The the view is different. It's shifted. It's it's uh, colored by decades of history uh, and culture. And yeah. when you say and this. Yeah. And and the media, I guess, as well. But even that, you know, the view is is shaped by how we think about things. I, we were talking about some things in that episode, which I encourage listeners to go back and listen to it. It's from a couple of months ago, um, and and the way uh, the Chinese approach Africa is just very factual, matter you know, business like. And the way we look, even when we want to help, it's very. Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, go back and listen to it. You'll understand what I mean. But here, the 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 way I look at this is, I'm reminded of something that um, that Turkey was saying in a couple of episodes. You know, when we talk about how the Arab world, in his case, Saudi Arabia, uh, is evolving culturally, he was saying, you know, a few decades ago, it was the the country was tribal, and there were almost literally it was people living in tents with camels and the the yeah. the uh leap uh societal and technological leaps that they've had to do and that they've done in a few decades is staggering and when you say this maybe it's because of where i'm from although i i was born in the middle east but uh, uh <laughs> i i think oh my god what an achievement going from uh you know a tribal society to sending people in space in such a short time, is that something that part plays a part in the in the pride, or is that something that when I say oh, it, you're yeah, gonna yeah, yeah, you're gonna spit sure, in my sure. face and, and go like you? No, you. no, 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 no. And like, for, for the United Arab Emirates, it's it's uh, more of the case than Saudi Arabia because uh, Saudi Arabia, although you know, uh, uh, can you speak a some... bit closer to the mic, please? We're having a hard time. Oh, here. okay, sorry. I put the phone down. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was saying it's it's more the case for the United Arab Emirates to be proud of going in such a short time from, you know, what what you said, the desert and the tents and the camels to space, uh, more than Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia uh, is is uh, I'm, not, I'm I'll try not to offend any listeners from Saudi Arabia, but Saudi Arabia is is a very extreme case in the Arab world. 
Saudi Arabia does not represent what the Arab world is about. And everything that you think of uh, as being negative uh, about the region is mainly Saudi Arabia. Not anybody else. <laughs> I, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you're gonna not gonna make any enemies at all saying this. Uh, it's right, right. Uncontroversial opinion. It's 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 a known fact. It's a, look. I spent a lot of time in Saudi Arabia and uh, traveling for business and such. And I'm not talking about the people. You know, the people are good everywhere. You find the good and the bad. I'm talking about the society and the government and and the politics and what happens and uh, the image in the West about what what's the Arab world. So uh, women in veils, that's, you know, uh, against their will, that's Saudi Arabia. Women not allowed to driving, that's only Saudi Arabia in the world, not just in, in the Middle East. So Although it's changing, but very East, slowly, yeah. It's changing, but some will argue it's not for the right reasons. It's changing for, for something else. <laughs> the intention behind it is, is not a good intention. That mm. It's changed. Uh, but you know, let, let's not dwell on that. I'm, I'm sure people <laughs> will not like yeah. to hear what I have to say about that <laughs> subject. So um, getting back to the UAE, yeah. Uh, I just, Gunner, you wanted to ask something. Go ahead. Yeah, I was. I, I was wondering if I could ask a question. I'm just. I'm looking here. I'm fascinated by this, and I'm seeing that the average age of somebody working on the UAE's Mars mission is 27, which fascinates me. But yes. the idea of um, you know building a nation and not building a rocket. Uh, in, in the U.S., I'm just relating this back to when, when the, you know, we were, had the Cold War and it was let's go to the moon and we got to you know, beat the Russians. And there was a lot of uh, unrest in this country at that time in terms of civil rights. And part of the message of those, uh, the black power movement at the time was, why do you have so much money to waste on this program and you can't do anything for our community? Um, having that message and coming at it from this way just seems like a very smart way. I'm just wondering, um, how, you know, how is that being perceived in this idea of uh, that it's really a youthful mission that is doing this? And so is, is it really, you had said that everyone's proud, but are, are there, is there messaging, you know, coming from the government and is everyone talking about this or what is it like? Okay, so the situation here is very different. You, uh, the United Arab Emirates has a booming, well, not, not a booming economy, a slowing economy, but it's one of the richest countries in the world. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. money, economy, uh, jobs, relatively recently people, ha people have been raising their voices about locals, um, I mean not expats, locals about finding jobs, but everything here is covered. The society is very uh, well taken care of by the government. They have mm -hmm. nothing to complain about and they, they say it, we have nothing to complain about. This is what they ask for, more achievements, more uh, advancement, uh, put us in the ranks of the first world. So when UAE compares itself, it compares itself to the first top five countries in the world in any sector, whether it's health, economy, uh, trade, whatever. So uh, and uh, the divide or the gap between what you imagine the Arab world is and what UAE is is like the gap from here to the moon. Staying mm. on the topic, uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of people, you know, you know, have the stereotypical idea of. Desert camels, tents, uh, people in certain clothes, maybe well, having I, a gun I on their side. You know. to, I, I'll push back on that a little bit. In the case of Dubai, partly because there have been so many movies showcasing the skyscrapers in Dubai, I don't <laughs> think that's quite the image we have anymore. Or at least it's it's not it, it's not for me. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. I would agree with you, Patrick. When mm-hmm. I think of Dubai and what I know about it from friends who travel there, and I will fully admit it's a lot of engineers who are going on building projects. So I'm hearing about the most extreme and the biggest and the craziest things being built. Yeah. And, um, you and know, a the vacation ideas, destination, like, like yes, tourism has yes. become huge with, by the way, questionable uh, questionable employment practices for non-nationals. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Mm. Uh, I, sure. And, and maybe in the construction business for, for manual labor, it's certainly the best in the Gulf region. Mm. And I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> you know, the, worst, <laughs> the worst being a, a, a place like Qatar, where uh, they're building the, the World Cup stadiums right now, and mm. everybody knows about the conditions there. It's, it's far better here. Uh, but for everybody else, it's it's a comfortable life. It's it's uh, for expats and for lo- locals more so. But expats, I'm personally very happy here. Interesting. Uh, I, yeah. I I could never have uh, achieved what I achieved uh, here in Dubai and back home in Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a totally different story. So I'm telling you, it's it's a rosy picture and it's it's believable here in Dubai and the UAE. To to a uh, to a big extent, there are some downsides. There is some criticisms that uh, one can talk about. Uh, but when uh, when you're talking about the story I'm talking about, which is the, the space program and putting a man in space and now sending uh, a probe to Mars, it's it's something that makes me really happy. You know, being mm. from this region and and living uh, <laughs> through all the wars and the turmoil and uh, all the bad stuff. So you know, something something nice to talk about for a change it's certainly i can we can hear it in your voice and that's uh, you promised yeah. a positive story so thank you for that oh, it, yeah. it certainly feels <laughs> positive um yeah sure. and i have look, i have another story that i can go like in passing like say. okay go ahead uh, and it's about jordan this time not about the uh, uh it's about music how do you guys feel about coldplay do you like coldplay or do you hate coldplay? sure it's fine <laughs> It's fine. It's cold it's play. Music. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, music. It's, it's like it's the nickel back of I know Britain. <laughs> Let's not do that to them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Coldplay uh, launched uh, their new album. Uh, it's called Daily Life, and uh, it's a YouTube original actually. And they streamed they streamed the whole album uh, I think a couple of days ago live from you know my home city from Amman, Jordan. Uh, very near to where I used to live and where, where I grew up, and you can find the, the 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 entire stream on YouTube, I think. But it has it has to be YouTube Prime. I'm not sure if it's on normal YouTube. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's uh, for me. I like I'm I'm I don't hate Coldplay, but I don't love Coldplay. Uh, some music from them I like, some I don't. This album is is very good. There are some cringy moments. Lovey Dovey, uh, Living Together, Peace, all of that stuff, you know, but uh, it's a good album. And uh, the way they did it, which was surprising, uh, they streamed the whole thing uh, live from uh, the Amman Citadel, uh, which is an ancient uh, Roman uh, slash Islamic uh, uh, ruin in the middle of the city. And uh, they have two sides on the album, one called Sunrise, one called Sunset. They streamed Sunrise at Sunrise and Sunset at Sunset. It was very beautiful. Uh, I enjoyed watching it a lot, and they had some, you know, some surprising guest uh, stars on 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 some tracks. Stromae, maybe Patrick, you know Stromae. Yes, Stromae, the He's, French, the French, yeah. uh, the French, yeah. yeah, the French dude. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's on there, and they had some uh, local uh, musicians and singers as well. And uh, I know uh, if you want to see where I grew up, go and watch that live stream uh, or play, and and you'll see my city and my neighborhood in the background. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. I, I I guess we can feel a little bit of pride as well in this uh, in this news. Is it it's like? No, I'm I, glad somebody's yeah, having. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, it's the first time I've seen you know my my, my neighborhood in this context. And, yeah, uh, beautiful. It's what was beautifully shot. The music is good as well. Uh, although they you know warning some cringy moments as I said, but you know it, it, uh, yeah. It it stirred up some feelings. <laughs> I'm homesick now. I want to go home. <laughs> Listen, I'm. Uh, it feels like I, we should have ended with these uh, <laughs> topics because, like, to lift our spirits after what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mahmoud. Um, we oh, will awesome. try to keep that feeling alive in our hearts as we tumble down <laughs> the horrors of <laughs> the rest of the show. <laughs> well, so we are going to be talking about impeachment. Uh, but just before that, Gunnar, uh, you contacted me a, a couple of months ago and uh, you said, hey, uh, love this show. It's awesome. It's the best show ever, right? I think those were the words you used. Pretty much, pretty much the words, yes. Um, but there are a couple of things uh, I'd like to add and say and, and mention. Um, and I'm glad to have you on the show to talk about these things. We're going to be talking about the impeachment proceedings in the U.S., of course. But you also uh, wanted of to course. talk about African-American representation on the show, specifically and in general. I'll leave the floor open to you because I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, um, thank you for that, Patrick. Yeah, I think for me in listening to the show and um, uh, the guest who moved from Sweden and moved to Minnesota, is it Wendy? Yes. Am I correct? Yes. So... Um, it was just interesting to me listening to that, especially being someone who grew up in Minnesota and having lived there for 40 years um, as an African-American. And I will just say from the get-go that the African-American experience is much different in the United States than the white experience. I think we're all kind of aware of that, but I don't know if everybody knows just how different that can be. Um, I will also say that I don't speak for everyone, obviously, um, I, I went to prep school. I did many different things than a lot of the stereotypical experience would be. I grew up in the suburbs, you know, that there's just a lot of that. So I, I will put that dis disclaimer out there. But um, in Minnesota, especially, we uh, just ranked last in the country for the education gap between students of color and white students. Um, we, we are at a point where our students of color are graduating about 30 to 40 percent less than than um white students are from high schools wow. so we we have a, a real problem right now um in that respect and of course that leads to all other kinds of problems um but our like the the black wealth in the united states is about one tenth of what white wealth is um on any measure and e even if you look at uh african americans or blacks that have college degrees you're talking only about 70% of white wealth. So we still have a lot of systemic um, issues that affect the black experience uh, in our daily lives more so than some others. So uh, for me, writing in was about um, just saying, hey, you know, I love the perspectives that you're getting, but I think you're missing 
an important perspective and one that may uh, tell a different story, which which is where I come from um, and why I wanted to contact you. And just to say that if you look at things through that lens and you live in the world I do, life is very different yeah. from, um, you know, what you hear uh, from others, um, you know, no matter which side of the political spectrum they're coming from, it is still no, going to think, be different. I, I think it's, it's uh, uh, you know, this show is all about having different perspectives. So I'm very glad that you did write in and we, you know, uh, we talked a little bit and decided to have you on the show. Um, it's interesting to me as uh, the one producing and hosting the show because I... I realize these things are important and I I try to have as many uh different perspectives as possible and my my main concern at the moment is the um women's perspective which is more yes. difficult <laughs> to achieve than I would like and this show and the last few shows have been an example of that but I try to do it in in every show I do um if you're a, a woman listening to the show and you'd like to be on please let me know because I'd love to have you on as well but it's also uh, uh not I hope people don't and you Gunner personally don't don't take this as uh a negative sentiment because it certainly isn't I'm very glad to have you on but It's there's also the fact that I try to have women on. I try to have people from different backgrounds, and there's mm -hmm. always someone who doesn't feel represented, probably because they aren't. Um, you know, I, I I think about, of course, people of color in the U.S., people of color in other regions, people immigrants. Uh, uh, we don't have enough. Um, Arab voices from France, for mm -hmm. example. It's a big community. I think about uh, people of different sexual orientations. We have very few gay people on the show, or maybe they're, they didn't uh, make it uh, clear right. that they yeah. were if they were on. You know, all of those things. And so it's kind of a feeling of, this is my perspective on it. I'd like to plug all those holes, but it's really difficult. But the, the, the bottom line is not something... Oh, you can't do it everything like you you can't please everyone. That's not how I'm coming at it from. It's it's well, it's cool that people like you uh check in and and provide us with that perspective that is missing. So, again, thanks for for being on. Um Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, so that said, to, Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 please. That said, keep I was, keep I was just going to say that said um where this ties in for me and to get us to the lovely topic of impeachment, because I know we all just want to talk about that again. It's been so fun. Um, I, I, let me tell you. But uh, if you look at the black vote in this country, um, the Democrats really rely on that in order to win. And in fact, it is it is part of the reason that that um, Hillary Clinton wasn't able to defeat Trump in the last election. Black turnout was was low, um, extremely low. And so I just took a look at and wanted to see, and I will fully admit, so stop me at any moment. I, I am currently in the Humphrey School uh, of Public Affairs at the University of Minnesota. So I, I spend all my time in these issues. So um, I get wonky. I'll just say that. But uh, Black Vote in 2016 um, was 8%. Um, and, and that was the, the kind of where we were at in terms of, of what turnout was and what Republicans could hope for. And that was uh, when there was a higher approval rating uh, overall of, of Republicans in general. Um, George W. Bush, we all remember and love him, right? 
Um, he had a 14% approval rating with African Americans. Currently, right now, Trump sits somewhere between 8 and 10%. I don't know who that 8 and 10% are. I will fully say that, but he has between 8 and 10% approval rating among African Americans. Um, and, you know, when you, when you talk about that and think about where we're at, he is, he, he is really managing to take um, communities of color and uh, lower these historically, you know, the approval ratings amongst these groups don't change much for Republican presidents, but they're never high. And he is he is shrinking those a lot, um, which is is going to be interesting in terms of where we're headed in this next election, um, which Do gets you think me that to those communities oh, yeah, are, are turning back to Democrats or are they just turning away from politics? I mean, obviously, See, we this can't is speak the interesting everyone, thing. But... Right. So this is the interesting thing, and this is where I get with impeachment right now. I, I am so frustrated with the impeachment process, and I really do think at this point we are doing this process not to, like the Democrats are doing this process not to remove a sitting president. They are doing this process to uh, swing elections in the next election cycle. Uh, I think we all know, and it's pretty much a foregone conclusion, that we will, uh, we will impeach in the House. And we will uh, send the the case, you know, the Democrats will send the case over to the Senate. Mm. And when it gets there, he it's will not be die. removed. Yeah. Right. And I think what is happening is, is political theater in terms of trying to get as much information out there as we can that could be um, damaging to whether it be to Trump and the Trump administration or to Republicans in general. Um, so right now what we're seeing is like, I, and I don't know how aware you are, but um, Representative Devin Nunes who is the ranking member um, on the committee right now that is doing the impeachment inquiry. Uh, he has recently been um, <laughs> accused himself. He's alleged by, excuse me, by one of uh, Rudy Giuliani's good buddies who's under indictment. Um, his name's Lev Parsons. He's been accused of having his own meetings with the corrupt Ukraine, uh, Ukraine prosecutor, uh, the Victor Shoykin or whatever it is, um, while he was on a, a, uh, a, an official visit to the Ukraine, which was taxpayer funded, which would in its own right be a huge scandal if we didn't have a new crazy scandal every day with our current <laughs> president. Um, and, and currently Nunez is saying he's going to sue everybody and this is you know, false and inflammatory. But you, you have someone who could in fact be a fact witness in the, in the impeachment case who is the second highest ranking investigator <laughs> on the other side. Um, you know, I mean, he's the ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee after after Adam Schiff. So we we have this thing going on where there is a, a major campaign with every turn of this uh, impeachment inquiry to damage Republicans. But I don't know that the Democrats are necessarily trying to make the case uh, to the general American public any stronger. You know, they're presenting their evidence, but we're at a point right now. Um, and I just looked this up for you. So the latest polls that I was getting were 46% are in support of, of uh, impeachment and 45% don't support it. <laughs> it sounds That's like overall. it's it sounds Yeah, but it sounds like it doesn't really move the needle, which I guess is going to be my question. As crazy as it might be getting, isn't it just noise at this point? Because everything's crazy. It, it feels like that seen from here. Um, and I would say that's right. <laughs> which we is, are at a point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, which is crazy 
the fact that it's so crazy is crazy because it's so crazy. Like it's like it yeah. should be more, but it isn't. And I guess that's the strategy of chaos, which is working. If it is a strategy, I don't know. Well, it's it's interesting to me. So as as you say that, and I I feel the same. Like we've just got so much noise going on right now, and I think for a lot of people, they're just like, forget it. Let's just go to the elections. We don't know what's happening right now. It's just too much. And um, you know, the the, the latest polls from Five Thirty Eight, they 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 see there's only ten to twelve percent of Republicans that are persuadable. So really, yeah. the Republicans have already decided what they're going to decide. And then when you look at some specific questions they asked, um, you know, they specifically asked, Did, do you believe Trump withheld aid um, until he got the investigation he wanted? And you end up with um, 26% of Republicans think that happened. 84% of Democrats think it happened. But then so, if you ask the question of, did he cover, cover up any actions in terms of Ukraine, you kind of get the same numbers. And, and even if, even if he did do it, 28% of Republicans think even if he did this thing that he shouldn't be impeached for it. <laughs> so even like, if he did do the impeachable thing that he shouldn't be impeached for it. But okay, right. let's, let's flip it a little bit. Do you think uh -huh. back in Bill Clinton days, obviously it wasn't as... You know, it was maybe for some people morally reprehensible, but it didn't have consequences in uh, international geopolitics and, and election tempering, right. essentially. But still, if the question had been asked about Clinton, uh, don't you think the, the numbers would have been reversed? And that's it. People just vote down the party line and maybe that's me being cynical i don't know maybe it wasn't or maybe it was indeed less bad so that's that explains why but it feels to me like this is just the same it's always been just more visible i think um yeah i it's interesting you say that i don't think that uh democrats and republicans were as entrenched and now you have to remember at that time that we had bipartisan support for moving ahead with the uh, with the impeachment proceedings and with the the uh, attempt at removal, but that was also a time when we had a little more. Um, it, we weren't so partisan and we weren't so to the extremes with Democrats and Republicans that were serving yeah. as representatives. Whereas right now we have no middle. We do not right, have conservative right. Democrats. Um, you know, there's two or three really in a, a House of what 550. I mean, you're not you're not. You, you just don't have that that space anymore. And with Clinton, remember that the reason he was so the charges that he was impeached for and going to be removed for were not any of the, the sexual stuff. It was the lying and the attempt at covering up. Can you imagine if we tried to impeach our current president for lying? I mean, most <laughs> of our media here says that he averages 22 lies a day. Hmm. Or falsehoods, I guess, is the nice right. way to put it. Yeah, falsehoods. Um, yeah. So how how is the uh, that thing going over in the? <laughs> again, as usual, you represent the entirety of the one subsection right. of your being that uh, you are presenting on the show today. How is the uh, black or African community, African American community, uh, taking this in the U.S.? Uh, you speak for all of them. Go. 
Right. Yes. Um, no, you know, overall, if you look at African-Americans, they are uh, essentially what we're hearing here right now. First of all, uh, over- overwhelmingly, you're going to hear uh, words I'm not going to use on your show. Trump, um, you know, it's just we need to get rid of this guy and he's not doing anything for us. And he makes it worse every time he opens his mouth when he talks about um, African-Americans or blacks and says, I've done more for you than any Democrat and any president in the history of this country has done for you. I've made your lives better because there's more jobs and there's this and there's this. And, you know, it's kind of almost I was reading a piece uh, from an African-American journalist who was like, you know, it really almost sounds like the plantation owner uh, Mm. (laughs) telling you, you know, talking down to you. And and those are very inflammatory words, obviously. But that to invoke that is is a powerful thing. And clearly that author was trying to make a point, um, not one that the Trump administration is ever going to listen to or hear. But I do believe that that sentiment is there. Now, it's interesting when you talk about what it means in terms of the African-American community, because what we're doing right now and what we're hearing and seeing is everyone's trying to figure out what the black vote is going to be in this next election. Do you think that's going to be the determining factor because they didn't come out to vote for the last election and they might this time? Or is it yes. just I one mean, you of just the factors? Had a, no, I, I think it's going to be a very big factor. I don't think it's as big as, you know, we have some candidates like Deval Patrick just got in and he basically got in because he's like, I'm, I'm a better black guy than the other black guys in the race. You know, Cory Booker's milk toast and I'll give you a little more. Um, and that, you know, that's not a reason to run for president, nor is he getting any support just off of that. Um, I think that what you hear a lot in the conversation right now is what are the African-American voters looking for? And, and people are really trying to examine why Biden has such strong support in the African-American community. And really, it comes down to the African-American voter spends a lot of time trying to figure out who, where their vote is be- best cast and who can win. So it's not about necessarily who uh, the African-American voter wants uh, for themselves, but it's about who's the best option that we can get. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, it's calculating how to get the most bang for your buck, I suppose. Yes. Uh, in a yeah, way. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Mahmoud, is that, you know, the impeachment in general, is that getting uh, play in, in the UAE or is it like too, you know, oh, uh, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear okay. me? Yes, we yeah. can hear you. Yeah, yeah. so is it getting yeah, getting I, some, I some headlines or? Uh, it makes the regular headlines, uh, like everyday news. So uh, oh, it's something special. No, but yeah, yeah. But, Well, I'll give you the general attitude about American foreign policy, presidents, everybody, politicians. And (laughs) yeah, yeah, bless yourself. Uh, From this region, we we, we all look at the American American foreign policy uh, the same way. It's bad, okay? Uh, Nothing good, yeah, nothing good comes out of the American foreign policy. On domestic level, I can't speak on domestic level. I can't put myself uh, in American shoes, but... I still, uh, you know, I view it from my own perspective. Uh, Trump is definitely uh, maybe uh, the more visibly worse out of the history of presidency you guys had over there uh, <laughs> in terms of what he actually says. Uh, anybody here will, will say that what Trump says in public, the others said in private or did in private, He's just public about it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, for 
this current impeachment proceedings and, and, and the whole Ukraine thing, uh, I can see how it's upsetting and morally, morally reprehensible from uh, an American's uh, point of view. Because uh, if he did this bargaining, the quid pro quo, regarding something that will benefit the, the, the policy or the, the government or the American diplomacy, not well, the campaign, game. mostly his yeah, re-election right. campaign. That's the problem. The election, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, but the, what I'm saying, if he did that, okay, but it wasn't for his own personal gain, okay, for but for 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 the administration, for the government, mm. he did something like, and they do, I believe, and everybody here believes this happens on this level with, with all the countries that deal with the American foreign policy. Uh, Nobody in the United States will say anything. Maybe they would praise him for it. He achieved something for the country, but because he used this to, 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 for personal gain and the general sentiment of resentment for this specific person called Donald Trump is what getting all of this impeachment thing and, and, and this basically war in, in, in the media and in Congress about it. I couldn't, honestly, myself, Mahmoud, I couldn't care less what happens to him. Uh, I don't really follow American. Uh, well, I, 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 the, the only American politics I listen to is what Justin Robertian has to say, and I listen to yeah, and I listen not because I want to be informed. I, I just like Justin, and uh, he's entertaining no matter what the subject he's talking about. So I listen to his <laughs> politics show as well. Uh, yeah, so, so that's, this is how I see it. Let, let me ask you a question then. Um, it seems. Uh, surprisingly that uh, at least in your opinion the arab world is uh, oh. disillusioned with the american leadership of the world is that oh, yeah. a relatively new phenomenon or has it always mm -hmm. been like this because for us and i suspect it might be the case but for us in europe that disillusionment we've never been you know we've always been critical of the us of course and and that i think is the case for the whole yeah. world but there is a new level of uh uh, uh, disillusionment and kind of abandoning the idea that, for better or worse, America is the world leader in in you know economy. I hesitate to say morals, but like it's not really the moral compass. It's like, or maybe it is. You know, it's saying what's right and wrong. And yeah. we might be grumbling and and not be happy about it but usually it it shows the direction for or it showed the direction at least for the western world now in the past few years it's partly because of trump not only but partly because of trump maybe a big part we're we're looking at this and saying well f those guys like not trump America in general and in, in what it represents. Of course, we're still buying iPhones and, and watching, you know, Marvel movies. But um, in, in like the sentiment towards America, it's like, okay, fine, you do your thing on, on the side. And there are, it's, it's the, the um, realization of a multipolar world where it used to be mainly America and then others. Now there are multiple centers of power in the world. So there is certainly um, disillusionment towards America, which is relatively recent. Uh, Mahmoud, would you say yeah. that that's the case as well? Or has it always been like this anyway and you never trusted the in, Americans? In the other world... No, in the Arab world, it's always uh, been this way. Maybe uh, the it was the disenchantment, like it was 
for a week uh, with uh, Obama. What's his name? Obama. For mm-hmm. you know, the first week after his inauguration, people genuinely believed he was a good guy. And that lasted exactly a week. I remember seeing the first headline, you know, towards, no, he's the same uh, exactly one week after his inauguration. Mm. Uh, but in general, it's still the same. Personally, like right now, if you ask me uh, from all the world uh, players on the stage right now, mainly China, Russia, and uh, the US, I would have uh, rather have the US leading the world, <laughs> not Russia or China. Uh, and maybe the only thing I would speak uh, uh, in good terms about or, or positively see Donald Trump in uh, is his standing up to China. And yes, it's only an economic level, but it, at least he stood up for, uh, against China. I think China and Russia are a bigger threat to the world than the US, definitely. Okay, so there's still this, maybe it's not a shining beacon, but at least it's the, the least bad of the powerful. Honestly, it will never yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll never take it too. A shining beacon. Yeah. It's the enemy you know versus the <laughs> enemy you don't know. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, Gunnar, anything to, to add before we move on? No, I think, you know, stay tuned. Uh, the Democrats are trying to move as quick as they can. They want to kind of get this done. And uh, the word on the street with that is that, you know, we have we have a Democratic primary. So a bunch of the candidates will have to be back at, at Congress being part of these proceedings. So they want to get these senators their chance to be out there trying to win the, the nomination. So they're going to speed everything up. It's a mess. Just stay so, tuned. So when is it going <laughs> to is supposedly going to end? Looks like we may be in the next two weeks, but we just had a Supreme Court, not a Supreme Court, a court ruling from a federal uh, court that said that Don McGahn, um, president, you know, the former White House attorney, that he has to comply with the subpoenas. So we're about to get set for a big round of legal challenges. And if that comes through that um, the courts say that uh, Trump cannot use presidential privilege to protect all of his employees then we could see another round of testimony coming through with compelled testimony from all those witnesses. So we may end up having more testimony when they're trying to close it up. But if they get that window, they will take it. And this will go on into, um, you know, through December and maybe into the next year. Mm. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Uh, (laughs) In other typical uh, disorganization and chaos news, Europe is on strike. Well, not really. Um, (laughs) There's demonstration in France for a uh, law that we don't know anything about yet, but there is probably the most controversial um, uh, uh, government reform that has been tried and implemented partially for years and years, and that is retirement reform. Uh, Retirement, not subsidies, but uh, retirement pay because as you probably know in uh, France and in most of Europe you get when you retire the government pays a pension right that's the word Um, and it's not always big but it's big enough that it's a a heavy heavy 
uh, I mean, it's the story of uh, pension in the whole world, right? The population is aging and we don't have enough to pay retirements forever. And the people who are reaching or close to or who are uh, looking towards retirement are unhappy about the idea that they have paid for everyone else's retirement for decades and now they're not going to get theirs. And especially in France, I think it's really difficult to implement those uh, reforms because, as you know, we are especially uh, combative about any social uh, change. And I think it's one of those things where everyone kind of understands that we need to do something, but everyone thinks that and when I say everyone, it's probably accurate, like left and right. Anytime anything is proposed, then it's probably not done well because they look at how they it is impacting them. Or, I mean, it's a very complex web of sentiment and practicality. And usually the way it ends up is when a government attempts to implement a reform, it is considered to be badly implemented and the entire country goes down in the street, mostly the left, of course, and the militant left. That's to be expected. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear that that is what usually happens. This government, Macron's government, is um, trying to implement a another of those. And the peculiar thing here is that we, as I said initially, we don't have the details on exactly what that reform is going to be. And in spite of that, uh, the protests have already been planned, which I understand might not make sense in, you know, the rest of the world. It quite frankly doesn't make much sense in France either. It's a kind of a weird situation, but it's not that unexpected because we know where the government is heading towards and we know what those who are against these kinds of reforms um, are, are demanding. And so it makes sense that there would be protests and demonstrations, even though we don't exactly know what the uh, nature, the substance of the reform is going to be. Because no one expects it to be things that the people who want to protest are going to be in agreement with, if that makes any sort of sense. And uh, and the even more exceptional thing is that in Finland, I don't have all the details about this particular strike movement, but the, the postal service is on strike. And when my wife told me, hey, by the way, you know, we might not get mail for a week or two because uh, the post is on strike, I was like, blah. People on strike in, in Finland? What are you talking about? And it is incredibly rare. I've never heard in, in years and years of frequenting the country, I've never heard of uh, uh, anyone being on strike. So this is not like France. Um, but from what I understand, the key issue is that um, the Postal Service was privatized uh, a few years ago, and they are now also wanting to implement a reform with... Um, with uh, uh, salary cuts and expenses cuts and uh the the population the the workers at the postal service are unhappy about this and it's interesting because in a country where me coming from a country where strike strikes are like the the most common common thing in the world uh it it would not have the same impact on me as it does here when it's happening here i'm like oh they're on strike, maybe there's something really bad happening. Whereas in France, if it was, you know, if there's a strike happening, I'm like, uh, maybe something's happening, but it might 
very possibly just be that you know it's tuesday um so <laughs> yeah that's that's uh the situation the the biggest thing i think now and in the upcoming couple of weeks for uh france and finland the strike in france or the demonstrations in france are planned for the 5th of december which also coincides with the anniversary uh period of the gilet jaune the yellow vests movement so it's there's kind of a big uncertainty here on it might just flare up again it, it had died down a little bit after months um of protest every week and it might you know uh, just flare up again or it might just be a little spike and then die down uh, again so um yeah that's what's happening in france i guess especially from the u.s when you look at this you think those french people are crazy but uh i don't know uh, and and in the uae i don't even know if it's allowed to strike <laughs> or as you said mahmoud everyone's <laughs> taken care of so you don't have any reason to be unhappy yeah. and go on demonstrations yeah, yeah. but but in jordan but in jordan actually it's becoming more like france every day there's a strike really and, good uh, for recent, you yeah recent, recently the the, the teachers uh, union uh, which is the biggest union in, in the country and they're recently unionized as well they they uh, went on a 12 day strike and basically the country grinded into a halt because of it not, not because, you know children stayed at home and nobody wants to, to have their children at home just please send them back to school <laughs> pay, pay the teachers whatever you, they want and just let our children go back to school yes and, i agree yeah, that, that would be very that effective <laughs> I, yes. I, Loving and my kid as much want, as I do, I, I love him yeah. even more when yeah. he's in, in school yeah. during weekdays. Um, it, 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 so did they get what they asked for? Um, uh, they, they pretty much, yes. Pretty mm. much they got uh, they got a 50% salary raise, basically. Wow. Uh, yes. Impressive. Uh, it was a huge demand, but the strike came uh, because they, they were promised this two years ago and the government did not deliver. So they went on strike, and oh, okay. uh, I think the king uh, got involved at the end as well and directed the government to give them what they want, mm. uh, stop being silly. Because the government was very stru stru stu stubborn with them. Uh, they didn't show any uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, sympathy or empathy with them. And mm. uh, But at the end, they got what they want, and everybody's happy now. It's interesting and, uh, to everybody, be... Yeah, the, yeah, the, the problem is now every other union is talking about strikes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. negotiate with ter with the uh, unions. Yeah, unions. <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. it's fun. it's interesting to be a a French person in the English speaking world and in the U.S. especially because the, the, I am absolutely for unions, and we talk about this in the gaming world. Um, a lot because there are issues with this new industry and and the way I look at it is just if you don't have unions then you don't have a seat at, at the table when discussions are happening as a um, you know part of the economic forces and when when we talk about these things I, I'm a little bit cheeky and I think maybe we're taking it a little bit far or we're not doing exactly the right way in France so it's easy to make fun of and I you know jump in on the fun but it's also I completely agree that 
unions are important. And that's a disconnect, I think, with Americans who see unions are intrinsically, intrinsically suspect and anti, uh, you know, work and trying to sabotage everything you try to do. So anti-capitalism, basically. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, which is interesting because some of the most successful areas of the American uh, economic world are heavily <laughs> unionized and still work very mm -hmm. well. Gunnar, is that how? How do you, when you listen and you hear those stories, those horror stories of constant <laughs> demonstration and strikes in France, is that the way you you look at it, or what do you think of this? It, it is fascinating to me because the only time we really see demonstration, I mean, in terms that I think of, um, is when there is like a police shooting or a major issue like that would be the only time that we would see people in the streets. But for labor issues and things like that, we don't often see unless it is um, teachers. So schools are very powerful in that they do. They will walk out and the teachers will withhold their their labor in order and nurses um those would be the only two groups where i see it but it is not that common so to hear one that it uh that it happens and it's supported by the people ever um it is is amazing to me uh to hear that a the union was able to demonstrate and get a 50 raise for their people i um the the you know american capitalist pig in me almost had a, a fainting spell right there uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, I, let possible. me tell you it's i think it's a function of the specific nature of uh, jordan as a country because i don't think that would happen in france or <laughs> anywhere any other yeah. country that i know yeah that's that's amazing Um, but yeah, it's, it's just not something that I see that much, um, here. I can think back to when we did have, um, a police shooting and then black lives matter. Uh, they actually went out and demonstrated and they were, uh, they blocked traffic. It's one of the specific ways they choose to, uh, show their civil disobedience and, to you know, put some pain on people to make them look at the issues. Yeah. And if you could see the way that it is um, received and the way that it, it goes down here when that happens, you know, if traffic gets blocked, it will make all the news uh, and you will have mostly people saying, you know, this was very selfish of them. Why are they doing this here? You know, I have nothing to do with the issue. Um, you know, they need to go protest somewhere else or something. I need to get home or I need to Um, we've even had a couple of instances where if you block the streets and traffic, we have people who just drive through and end up injuring um, protesters because, you know, they feel they should just be able to drive through. And if you won't get out of their way, they will make you get out of their way. So. There, there's there's similar stuff happening in protests in France as well. Most of the time they're, uh, you know, well organized and well, maybe I shouldn't say that. But most of the time <laughs> I was going to say they're, they're incident free. Things in the past year have been very different. Uh, there are always incidents, but usually... The, the, the big ones try to inconvenience people. That's especially the case for um, public transportation because we use that a lot. And that's the problem is that's the only way they can get heard or can get people to care about the issues. Um, but yeah, there, there's no easy solution to any of this. So it is kind of similar, but it's interesting to hear that the demonstrations in the US, I guess I knew that, but I never really realized happen for societal issues like Black Lives, uh, Lives Matter. Um, th there is, however, something that this makes me think of, and it's the uh, writer's um, strike a few years ago in Hollywood. And what I yeah. always 
what I feel like is that strikes are rare in the US, but they do happen. And when they happen, everything stops. Like everything just grinds to a halt in that industry. Um, and it's it's arduous negotiations and hopefully usually it, it works out. Um, it does feel a little bit and and looking at it from the French perspective, I'm I'm probably center right, I would say. Uh, so take that with a grain of salt. But in France, it does feel like we're striking and demonstrating all the time, which does diminish the efficiency of it. Um, and there's a culture of that in the country, which I don't know how I feel <laughs> about. But um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, that was a really interesting uh, couple of conversations. Thank you very much to the two of you for being on the show with me. We'll, we're going to bring this to a close. But before we do, as always, I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell us where we can find you on the Internet. Uh, Mahmoud, why, your, your Twitter name changed uh, yeah. it, since last time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I recently changed it. It's uh, now at uh, Hirosan underscore 83. What is Hirosan? Is it like Mr. Hero in Japanese? Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. It went from Sanzu to Hirosan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Hirosan83, that uh, link will be in the show notes. Gunner, do you have a Twitter account or something that you want to tell people I about? I do. Um, my Twitter account is at Cigar Adventures. <laughs> so I am a cigar guy and that's where you can see my, uh, yeah, anything and everything. And you can reach me there. All right. Very cool. Thank you very much. Uh, cigar adventures. I will put the link in the show notes as well. Uh, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm also on, uh, well, the show is at frenchspin.com. You can check that out there and comment on the uh, episode. And you can also find Pixels, my gaming show, which is recorded every other week. Um, lots of stuff happening in gaming as well. So you might be interested in that too. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully we will be back with our third and I guess not final episode of the Brexit saga. Next uh, episode, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Um, we might need you, Mahmoud, to come and give us some uh, uh, heartwarming news uh, after that <laughs> on that episode as well to lift our spirits a little bit. But we'll see that in a few weeks. All right. Thanks to both of you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back in a few weeks. Bye. Bye.